Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets, and welcome to another Fan Bros special delivery. This is Chico Leo, and as always, I'm flying high above the Brooklyn night, and I am joined in the escape pod by DJ Benjamin, aka Wakanda's favorite DJ, in the escape pod tonight. How you doing, Chico? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, like a cat in a room full of catnip. Mm. How about you? I'm doing great. You know, my glass of cognac is half full and, you know, I'm ready for this special delivery. Excellent. So the uh, the big news in TV this week, of course, was the live Broadway style production of The Wiz uh, that they ran several times. And I would just have to say, uh, you know, send people over to Fambros.com and see Tatiana King's review. If, I don't know if you have anything to add, but it seemed like everything that needed to be say about said about The Wiz was said. I mean, definitely. And also the fact that it got 11 million viewers. But yeah, Tatiana Keene's um, review of The Wiz, I have to say, brought tears to my eyes. I can't lie. It, yeah, it, it, not, o- not only did it get 11.7 million uh, viewers, which I don't even know of any non-Super Bowl event that's gotten those kinds of numbers. I mean, just keep in mind, I think Jon Stewart's last episode got like 3.4 million viewers, mm-hmm. and that was the second highest rated daily show ever. So, yeah, it, it also got really good reviews wow. for the most part across the board. Um so I've, it's rare, uh, you know, that something is usually so, you know, good and so popular. Sometimes, you know, the stars align. And so good for you. You know, it's so right. rare that we have something that showcases, I mean, just such utter amount of diversity, really. I mean, just, you know, hardcore brown people all throughout it, killing it. And, you know, does those type of numbers. That's insane, yo. 11 million. Wow. Salutes to everybody involved. So I know next up is Greece. <laughs> a live Greece is coming sometime, but uh, I, I, you know, we'll see next. This has become sort of that's coming up like in this in the spring or something. But this has become a an annual tradition with mm. what is it NBC? You know, they had Peter Pan, they had The Sound of Music. Now they have The Wiz, and with The Wiz getting the best reviews and drawing the by far and away biggest audience. We'll see what uh, what comes next year. Uh, yeah, I doubt it should be something like Greece. Right, right. <laughs> but Greece is coming with. Uh, I can't remember who's in it, but uh, you know, it it all seems rather tone deaf. Yeah, to say the least. So, uh, what wasn't tone deaf this week though is we got the first uh, Flash Arrow crossover of this season, and uh, it it was really dope. Legends of Today on the flash and legends of yesterday which was also dope but had but had some problematic issues yeah uh, yeah that was the green arrow one yes. but starting with the flash one which was almost perfect mm, really i thought the ending was a little bit weak wait what happened at, right at the end of the flash one going the, into at the end of the flash when uh hawk woman hawk girl 
falls off the roof and, you know, gains her powers. And Vandal Savage kind of just flies away or runs away like, uh, you know, why not? The episode's over. Right. I guess, Yeah, no, I guess it was all about her reveal. So I I definitely give them a lot of props for the, the way they handle these crossovers. Um, it definitely, I mean, it, it harkens straight back to comic book crossovers, but they they include all the characters. It's hard to you know, write dialogue for all these different, you know, give everyone something to say in the scene and have it work. Even just shooting these scenes, you know, it's a TV show and there's like 10 characters in a, in a room. And, um, you know, there's a lot of in jokes. I mean, I thought the thing with, uh, you know, Rachel Ghoul showing up with the league of assassins, like out of nowhere, because, you know, was this running joke with the, the flash team who had never met him before. You know, some of it was doper than others. I mean, Diggle throwing up every time the Flash carries him or whatever is getting a little old. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so we're introduced. I thought Vandal Savage's introduction was dope. Vandal Savage is dope. Um, I guess we'll talk about his origin in a second when we get to the, the Arrow stuff because that's sort of all mixed up with the uh, problematic notion um, or problematic notions that they that they're trying to sort of gloss over, like I this. Mean, yeah, I mean, this dude yeah. is supposed to be an ancient Egyptian, and a his name is Vandal Savage, which is literally the most un-Egyptian name on the planet. <laughs> like, and he doesn't look Egyptian in any in any way, you know, shape or form. And in the comics, Vandal Savage actually started as a caveman. Yes. And so he looks like a caveman and I, you know, the Hawk, the whole Hawk people origin is probably the most convoluted thing in DC history. And it's been, stuff has been thrown out and jettisoned and he's been rebooted and revamped so many times. So I understand why they wanted to sort of just simplify it all. The ancient Egypt thing is cool, but they fell short with their ancient Egypt storyline. And then the idea that there's a guy named Vandal Savage 4,000 years ago in, in, you know, in Egypt, it just did, it just didn't fit in an Egypt that, you know, I don't know, looked like the Egypt of, you know, uh, gods and whatever at the Ridley Scott movie. No, it made that, uh, look actually good in comparison, but was, were they calling him Vandal Savage in the early scenes in Egypt? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Well, yeah, but he, because yeah, he could just argue that Vandal Savage is like his code name or whatever. But I mean, in general, the whole Egypt stuff was definitely pretty terrible. And like, even Haltman being from Egypt is a, you know, I mean, he slightly might be could perhaps, but it's a bit, it's a little bit of a stretch. So, you know, you have that problem right there, even with the reincarnation, whatever, it's still kind of like, once again, Egypt is portrayed whiter than white as usual in most Hollywood productions. So it's well, there just, was even you know, an interview with the actress who plays Hawk girl, who at so- somehow it came out that she's 70% white. And it's just sort of weird how she would drop that either in an interview or on Twitter but somehow it, 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 it that was, and, and it's sort of like, and she was the most, uh, she had the most, I guess you'd say, flavor of anyone there in the ancient Egypt scenes. Yeah, well, ah, well, there is that. And uh, 
I mean, can't really argue that, you know, so that might have been the biggest problem of the whole crossover. Yeah. And like right now with Hawk Girl and Hawk Man, you know, being of ancient Egyptian origin. I mean, it's so, ironic because the Hawk Man and Hawk Girl of the comic stuff have such a sort of fucked up, you know, background. And now by trying to simplify it, they've made a similar thing for the TV characters. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's like art, you know, imitates life and vice versa, I guess. So, I mean, I like the episodes though, overall. I definitely thought the ending of the first one, you know, the Flash was kind of weak. But right. it was more like it got right to, you know, Arrow the next night. And then it finished up, you know, they had a dope battle on that one. I definitely loved the time travel running of Flash once again right. in the um, Arrow episode. I love, I mean, I can't lie, I'm not an Arrow watcher, but I really love Felicity so much that it makes me want to watch Arrow, but it just never happens, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, and they did all the stuff with the two teams, like the Cisco Felicity stuff was dope, and, yes. you know, and even the Barry Ollie stuff is really good, and so, you know, in that fight scene, it was almost like you were watching the Justice League. I mean, it was Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Black Canary, um... You know, Flash, Green Arrow. I mean, it was literally, you know, most of the Justice League. And um, so that that was really dope. And in both Flash and Arrow, you know, they've been setting up this whole, I guess, more, more in Arrow, but also, I mean, more in Flash, but also in Arrow with the Ray Palmer stuff. They've been setting up the Legends of Tomorrow. And I feel like they've now basically gotten that out of their system. You know, Legends of Tomorrow is coming on in January and it's going to be not be its own thing. I'm sure there's going to be crossovers with that as well. But um, my my only complaints about Flash and Arrow this season have been where I felt like they've been bogged down. Like, oh, now we've got to introduce Firestorm. Oh, now we've got to do, you know, do the, you know, do this, do that, you know, um, and now the Hawkman and Hawkgirl are here. Firestorm is here. You know, let them have their show and get back to, you know, because things were getting a little convoluted. I definitely want to see the stuff with Mr. Terrific on Arrow. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought, yeah, Legends of Today, Legends of Yesterday were dope. The uh, Aside from the Egypt stuff. And um, it made me more excited about Legends of Tomorrow. I will say that. No, definitely. I mean, I've been excited for it, so this just helped it along. But definitely both episodes were dope, you know, overall. It had, uh, like we said, uh, issues with Egypt are just so typical of Hollywood. So yeah. Like, sadly, we had to get used to it at this point, but, you know, we really can't ever get used to it and we should definitely take notice and say whatever. Nah, but, you know, moving on. Yo, I know you're not watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but that joint is so fire right now, B. Yeah, everyone, I mean, I've seen on Twitter and even just general reviews. I basically had given up, you know, early after it premiered. Um, and, they, you know, they got their footing towards the, you know, around the time of the Winter Soldier. And yeah. I just I just haven't, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. I will catch up at some point. But um, what is this, the second or third season? I want to say this is the third season right now. Yeah, this is the third season. Yeah. And this uh, next week is the mid-season finale. This week was leading up to it. It was entitled Closure. And, I mean, I can't even get into it, you know, with spoiler alerts for you because there was so much closure right. in this episode. 
and so much things that you're not even aware of. But you know, our regular listeners who love Shield, yo, it was I know it was tight, yo. This week had a lot of people, you know, going off to shuffling off the mortal coil that, you know, were probably well loved. So there was some definite big moments in this episode. We're leading into the mid season finale and it's looking crazy right now. Like you I mean, I Chico Shield is just on another level right now. Now they like they've been epic. introducing the Inhumans on the on Shield, right? Or was that just in a few episodes? Or oh, is that no, something that's, that's been steady, steady throughout it? Yeah, right? see now, that, and then they're basically they're trying to basically for the cinematic universe, the MCU, they're basically replacing the X Men with Shield with the Inhumans. Yeah, definitely. But also, the Inhumans have their own flavor because, especially with Shield, like they're introducing the Secret Warriors team who are. You know, a power version, you know, who have their own powers. Like, right. I mean, some of the characters of S.H.I.E.L.D. are already part of the team. And they'll be introducing more as it goes along. They're just doing a whole lot. Like, Yeah, I got to I gotta catch up with it. I, I got to catch up with it, before, you know, I guess. Because it'll probably, is there stuff tying in with Civil War, I would assume? Oh, I'm definitely quite sure that. There's yeah. There's a lot of things happening. That so are, I'm going to have, that's Civil my War. goal is to have caught up with it by Civil War. Most definitely. So we'll talk about it more next week because definitely the, I'm looking forward to the season, mid-season finale because the show is firing on all cylinders right now. Check it out if you're not watching it. Well, all right. A, a show that is firing on, on several cylinders, maybe not all of its cylinders, is Supergirl. And uh, they introduced Red Tornado this week in an episode that was entitled Red Faced, which, <laughs> uh, which refers to both Red Tornado and... And Supergirl, there was a whole issue of her, like, basically discovering, tapping into her anger and figuring out why she's pissed off and using that. Um, there's a lot more a lot more nonsense with, like, Lucy Lane and Jimmy Olsen. I mean, the big thing was the introduction of Red Tornado. Something that I realized when I was watching it, there's been all these superhero shows that have dealt with aliens, that have dealt with mutants, that have dealt with, you know, metahumans monsters telepathic gorillas shark men but none have actually had any robots like robots used to be like uh you know much more upfront in superheroes i mean we had age of ultron obviously in the theaters but none of these shows has actually had a robot on it and so it turns out red tornado i mean he is a robot but he's actually was being telepathically controlled by a guy and spoilers, the guy gets shot and um, by by uh, Kara's adopted sister, uh, Linda, and um, Red Tornado gets destroyed by Supergirl with her heat beams. And I got to say, Supergirl, when she's shooting her heat beams, makes a similar face to Black Canary when Black Canary's doing her canary cry. But I think Black Canary looks much more like she's constipated than Supergirl does. <laughs> I actually think Black Canary looks really whack when she does that. I'm glad you noticed that about them both. Yeah. Um, was Red Tornado being controlled by T.O. Morrow? No. Damn it. No, it was no not T.O. Morrow. T.O. Morrow? No, but T.O. Morrow, I know he's... Uh, he's the, he's the, he'll, he'll be hopefully showing up on one of these shows. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, usually credited with controlling or being cahoots with Red Tornado. Right. Well, but they, this uh, guy got shot. All right. Well, 
Big shout outs to LOYC who called Red Tornado Velcro Vision. Did yes. he look better in um, he, he looked better on the show than he did in the uh in, in the stills. Um and I give them I mean, I give them some props for, you know, sometimes they they pull these characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see, but I like the you know I mean I'm assuming and hoping that he's gonna return somehow, some way. Most definitely. So and and another actually another we had a, a mid season finale this week on Gotham. Uh, they're continuing their rise of the villains, and I guess uh, big spoiler: Theo Galvan basically ended his rise on uh, on the mid season finale <laughs> with the uh, Penguin's umbrella stuffed down his throat. Oh, but his dope sister is still out there. Yeah, um, and we actually got to see Bruce Wayne was dope for the first time, like. We actually got to see what will, you know, like a young Batman and a young Catwoman, whereas before he was just this totally clueless, oafish, you know. He basically, you know, lied through his face to Alfred, to Catwoman, to Theo Galvan, to um, whatever that little, uh, that little silver-tongued uh, Theo Galvan's niece who was, you know, thought she had him wrapped around her finger. And... Um, there was a dope team up of villains and cops and Lucius Fox and Alfred who uh, came to save the day. So, you know, it was real flabby in the middle, but the rise of the villains, the first three episodes were fantastic. And the last four or five have been really dope. All right. Well, another show that had its midseason finale this week was Empire and... Overall, I have to say, I think this season, as much as Empire is a soap opera, it's like this season really just fully proves it because it was full of so many ridiculous twists and turns that I think you said earlier in that uh, season, they pulled off such an early ridiculous twist and turn that everything after that kind of just fell short. And the mid-season finale definitely continued to fall short. It was entitled A2 Brute. Uh, I guess re- referencing, you know, the Latin and, you know, Julius, Julius Caesar, Caesar yeah. you know, getting stabbed up, you know, by all his peoples. And that was pretty much, you know, the theme of this episode without the, you know, not a physical stabbing, but Lucius Lyon, you know, lost control of Empire Records in a swift move by Marissa Tomei, who I just love that her name is Mrs. Whiteman. Oh, is it real? <laughs> Miss Whiteman. Yes, her last name is Whiteman. One of the greatest, just, I mean, ridiculous soap opera, you know, trash TV moments in history. And, uh, Mrs. You know, Whiteman. Yeah, I mean, just the episode and the season to me was just kind of a letdown. There's word on the street that there's going to be a Cookie Lion prequel show spinoff. And I'm much more interested in that because Cookie remains one of the high points, but it's to be. Difficult for any actress, you know, to play Cookie that way. Well, except if they bring in Taraji P. Henson to play her twenty years younger, <laughs> like they did with Howard Stern in, uh, in 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 the Howard Stern movie. I mean, with digital fetch, they could even pull it off. So I, you know, welcome that probably over any other actress playing her. So, you know, well, that'll be happen. dope. I mean, you know, my, you know, I, I mean, it seems like Empire is just a vehicle for, you know. Taraji P. Henson's dopeness or Cookie yes. Lion's dopeness. So why not just, you know, it's like Wolverine finally getting his own comic. <laughs> like, why didn't they do this sooner? <laughs> um, true indeed, true yeah. indeed. 
Well, so there was another season finale tonight that I I think is probably going to be the series finale, and that was The Leftovers. Mm. Um, Now, I know you were watching The Leftovers this season, right? At some points, off and on. Yeah, so I, I actually, The Leftovers just as a study in TV, like it did something that uh, occasionally gets done and usually is a disaster where they change up, they take like half the cast and just move them to a whole other setting, like in the facts of life when they left the school or went to the store, or I feel like every year Mork and Mindy was like in a completely different setting like in some it was set in their house and some they were running a store so this one in the leftovers the beginning of the season they just took them the whole cast at this town in texas or like half the cast and they totally introduced and focused on this new family that had never appeared in the first season and one of the legitimate criticisms of the first season was you know lack of representation and this season just threw us right in with this black family that included, you know, mom and dad, two kids, and actually uh, the mom's father, all who played like real um, important roles in this season, as well as some of the cast members from the first season. And so just, I thought it was really successful in that, and that I really liked the second season a lot more than the first. But I have to say, it's a show that's very much up its own ass. I mean, it's it's really like self-indulgent and self, you know, self-referential and, and ever, you know, very navel-gazing. But there was some really good acting on it. And in terms of that, I, I mean, I would recommend season two of The Leftovers. And if a, a season three happens, I mean, they tied a lot of stuff up. They definitely left things open but if a season three came around i would definitely watch it Mm, yeah i don't know i've heard people tell me that it's great and like this season was such a great thing but i just couldn't get into it so i don't know like i i I gave it a lot in the first season and the first season was so disappointing overall that it just never bothered me to watch more the second I mean, in some ways, it's almost like a weird religious existential version of The Walking Dead. But um, it, it's definitely, uh, it's not like anything else out there, um, for good and for bad. Um, and I guess finally, uh, we got in- Into the Badlands, uh, the fourth episode, Two Tigers Subdue Dragons. Um, we got a lot more, you know, again, you know, really dope fight scenes. I'm I'm into the world they've created. The storyline is is a little, you know, is a little musty with the whole oh, we gotta get out of the badlands and I have the chosen one and I am the chosen one and all of that stuff. I mean the 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 plotting for the most part could be in like, you know, like a, a good cartoon from the nineties. <laughs> but the fight scenes are dope and and they definitely um you know, uh, Kimson had had criticized. You know, we had only met two of the barons in the first episode, and and so we we met our first black baron tonight with Jacoby, um, who played uh, the same dude played Darwin in X Men. Uh, yes, first class. Yes, I I was thinking about who he was, but I couldn't involve. I couldn't remember Jacoby. Yes, was Darwin, and unlike Dar- Darwin, he actually survived through the end of the episode. Yes, so. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, Kenyan actor Edie Gathegi. 
um, or it could be Eddie Gathegi, E-D-I. Um, but he, he's been around. He's been in stuff. I did see um, I did see on Twitter, I think a lot of people thought he was Chris Chalk, the guy who plays uh, Lucius Fox. That was not Chris Chalk playing Jacoby. Um, there also, we met the River King, who was a really dope character. Who, oh, Prince? Yes, yes. Or I actually thought it was Cornell West, you know, going to a Prince cosplay event. <laughs> but uh, no, he, this is actually nuts if you watch Treme. He was played by Lance E. Nichols, who's the dude, if you watch Treme, he played Candy Alexander's kind of boring but nice dentist husband, um, who was a major character on that and definitely, you know, very much the opposite of the River King. Very much so, because the River King was definitely looking like Cornel West at a Prince concert. Yeah, so, <laughs> no, and he played a bald, like a bald suburban dentist on uh, on Treme. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, they, they, they're they definitely introducing more, you know, more plot twists, more more turns. I'm glad I stuck with it. Um, I, you know, it, like Supergirl, like, you, you know, it is what it is. Um, and it certainly has props for the, they've had really good. And when you say fight scenes, it almost doesn't do it justice. Like really great action set pieces. I realized the show must be set uh, or must be being shot in and around new Orleans. Cause there was a great graveyard battle that really yes. looked like it was, you know, in a Louisiana cemetery mm-hmm. and that was really dope. And, um, so I believe there's seven barons and we've met three, and, you know, there's a Game of Thrones element where it's just all about alliances and betrayals and people at each other's throats. But, um, you know, if they continue and, and hopefully, you know, continue improving, I definitely hope that this isn't just like a one-off, you know, six-episode thing. No, definitely. I agree there because it definitely could use to be, you know, another season because it took them a while just to establish the world. Yeah. And... uh Plot has been kind of slow in plotting, you know, parts up to this point, even with all the different twists. But the fight scenes definitely need to get, you know, they're, you know, commended for what they are. They're really excellent, well done. Some of the best you'll see on TV right now. And I like, you know, some of the characters, you know, some of it's working, some of it isn't. I'm definitely enjoying, you know, Jacoby being introduced tonight and surviving through it. So, you know, it's not been, you know, the worst. Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate that we're that we're really spending as much time with the the Baron and his clan. I mean, Sonny, the main character, is the Baron's like regent, the head clipper, and so because Sonny's the main character, of course, we're going to spend more time with them. But I would like to see much more with the widow and her daughter and all her girls. And clearly, I would like to see more about Jacoby and his crew. Because Jacoby's father had been an ally of Quinn, and Jacoby's not necessarily feeling that, and that and that's that whole history and storyline could be really dope. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. I know I've I've seen a lot of hate uh, thrown at the show. Um, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but um, I I look forward to watching it. Yeah, definitely. And, it, you know, it's a, little, it's a little bit of hate, but you got to give certain shows, you know, a little bit of time to develop. And this one only has six episodes. So right. hopefully it does get a second season or a second run of, you know, at least six episodes. 
Uh, real quick, y'all, I wanted to give a big shout out to um, Creed. I caught that this weekend, and you know everyone had been talking about the film and how excellent it was, and I really have to agree with everyone who was speaking that because that joint is dope, yo. It's very well done on every level. Yeah, it's pretty amazing because people complain about sequels and remakes, but the two best movies of this year seem like uh, Mad Max Fury Road, which is an eight, a sequel to an 80s movie, and Creed, which is a sequel to a 70s, ultimately a 70s movie. I mean, which is like really like the seventh or eighth sequel yeah. of those movies. And yeah, those, those, my understanding, are like the two best movies, and certainly... You know, we haven't seen everything, but the two most anticipated movies are also sequels with the Star Wars movie and Age of Ultron. So, you know, I mean, I guess none of those are remakes, and so we can still be down on on remakes, although occasionally some of the remakes are dope. You know, we have the Point Break one coming out soon. Yeah. I don't know about that that either, but... um, I'm actually I'm a big fan of of the original. I mean, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous movie, but that's, that's yeah, exactly. Um, so I yeah, I mean, I'm definitely gonna uh, catch Creed in the theaters. I also, um, I mean, I you know we'll see. I mean, uh, we're going to Star Wars in uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that, and uh, you know I'm gonna see Creed before then. No, most definitely. And everyone out there, definitely Pete Creed. I won't give away anything, but big shouts to the director, Ryan Coogler, who is now being rumored to be in the running to take over Black Panther. And I'd like to see it because the action, the boxing in Creed is so well done. It's just very well directed, very well edited. Very, I, I really have to give a shout to the sound design and whoever did that because it was so in the theater, the way the sound worked in the from scene to scene and just in scene was so well done. Just a great film. You know, Michael B. Jordan, as usual, killing it. Peep it, you know, ASAP, definitely. So is there, did they leave it at the end? My one question is, did they leave it at the end for a potential Creed franchise? Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah, you know well, that's, that's going to happen. Yeah, you know that's going to happen. And it's, you know, doing well in theaters. I saw it uh, Saturday night, and it was still Pat Theater, and it's the second weekend, so. Right. Yeah, it's doing great, and it, you know, deserves all the praise. And one thing I want to say is a lot of people were saying it's a little, well, I heard, you know, in reviews at least, not from people I knew, but people were, you know, saying that it's a little lighthearted or goofy in the realm or vein of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But I didn't really even get that, you know, from it. I thought it was, you know, it's, it's like a Rocky, you know, it's one of those type of films. Right. You know? I mean, people said corny in a good way. Yeah, but I wouldn't even say corny. I mean, I guess it was, but, you know, in in the best way. Right. If it's corny, then it's definitely corny in the best way. And in another great moment in Creed was when Michael B. Jordan runs into Wood Harris, the actor who played Avon Barksdale on The Wire. And so it was great seeing them back on screen together interacting because, you know, the last time... It was Wallace and Avon, and, you know, as we said, it really didn't end well for Wallace. Right, so. right. Although, no, you know what? It wasn't Avon. It was Stringer, right, who wanted uh, Wallace. I mean, uh, hey, you know, it, but, you know, it was, but, you know, right. you know the last you know, time they saw each other, it didn't end that, you know, after that, it didn't end well. One final thing you brought up, Avon Barksdale. Actually, the, the, 
real life version of Avon Barksdale, Avon Barksdale was a guy named Melvin something or other actually Melvin died Williams. this week. Yeah, Melvin, Melvin Williams, Williams died this week. And he actually played the Deacon, uh, one of the few, you know, sort of really good, kind characters on The Wire. And um, he died this week. Yes, he passed away from colon cancer at the age of 73. Right. Bitch outs to Melvin Williams. I mean, not only was he, you know, a huge drug kingpin, but he was also, as The Wire showed, he, you know, definitely changed his life around. Yeah. And, you know, did a lot of things in his community and passed away from a battle with colon cancer. So, you know, RIP. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, big shouts and rest in peace to Melvin Williams. You know, like I say, go peep Creed as soon as possible. You know, dope movie. You know, Wood Harris, Michael B. Jordan, everyone involved. You know, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Yeah, definitely did a great job reprising his role as Rocky. And, you know, has a lot of callbacks and shout outs to the old films that you'll love if you know them. And if you don't, you know, it's it stands on its own. And will definitely, like you say, you know, has a great chance of inspiring its own franchise. And hopefully, he'll fight Ivan Drago's son in in an upcoming. Oh uh, my God, that would be. What about Clubber Lang's son? Right, right. Come oh, what, on. what about just Clubber Lang? Period. <laughs> yes, I mean, you still got to pity the fool who goes exactly. up against Mister T at any age. Fat bros, fat bros.